I just love this gospel. I've always loved it, but I love it even more as I pray with it over the years. So let's set the scene. So Jesus is with his disciples. He's opposite the temple treasury. And there were different ways for people to give their alms to the treasury uh, for the sake of the temple. I read as I was doing some exegesis on this that surrounding the temple were 13 trumpet-shaped metal chests. Trumpet-shaped, right? Big funnel. And they're metal. And the coins of that time, the money at that time, was also metal. So large donations would have made quite the sound. Big ones would have been noticed. And so there's this show going on. Big donations, big noise, ooh, a big contribution. And Jesus sees all of it. And then he sees a widow. And she puts in two coins worth just a few cents, a tiny amount. And then the rest of the gospel unfolds. He calls his disciples to himself and says, she ate more than everybody else. Well, I think about this one. And I think about the rest of the story. Like, what did Jesus do for her? Do you think he left her just destitute after watching her give her whole livelihood to God? And she walks away with nothing. Do you think God himself, Jesus, would just say, she did a good job? Don't you think he would move? Of course. We just don't get the rest of the story. That's why we can't screw this life up. You got to get to heaven so you find out what happened, okay? Because there's a lot that happened. But maybe more to it as I've been praying with this gospel, I think about the question of why didn't Jesus do something different right in that moment? Not just later in his providence, but right in that moment. He could have made a scene. He could have came up to someone who was rich and said, hey, I need some of that and give that money to her who had nothing. Jesus had no problem causing trouble in the temple, right? Flipping over tables and whatnot. But he doesn't do that. He didn't send his disciples to go take care of her. He doesn't do that. Rather, he observes. He sees her and he watches her. He doesn't interfere because he doesn't want to intervene and deny her the greatest and most worthy gift that a human could possibly give. Because she goes to the temple not to give her two coins, she goes to the temple to give herself. And Jesus doesn't intervene with that. In fact, he observes it and then he points it out to the apostles because he's teaching them and us how we should be with God. Friends, we're super rich. We are a rich country. We're a rich campus. You might not think so because all your money is currently going to tuition, okay? But just the very fact that you're here, you're rich. In the world scales, objectively, we're rich. And that material wealth is dangerous. It's not evil, it's dangerous. Because our material wealth can lead us into thinking that we can depend on ourselves, that we're self-sufficient, and that can numb us to how we ought to be with God, to how we really are. 
because we're very poor before God. We're very dependent on him. But if we play to our wealth and we rely upon that and our own kind of apparent self-sufficiency, then the danger is this, that God becomes a sort of afterthought, even for us who are here tonight, even for us who are religious, so that when we give to him, we give like the rich people in the gospel, out of our surplus, surplus. That word literally means overfilled. So how do we give to God? Well, we fill ourselves up first, and then if there's anything overflowing, then I might give that to God. And then I'll think I'm super generous. But that's not real discipleship. Because in doing that, we protect ourselves rather than give ourselves. And then we're tempted to give God half measures, to go this far and no further, to put up boundaries so that we never get involved. Just our surplus, just the stuff that we have that's in abundance, the leftovers after we've satisfied our own needs. But that's not discipleship. In fact, God calls us to something different. He calls us to give beyond those boundaries even when the world, and even sometimes this attitude, which is definitely in the church, would be like, ooh, that's a little radical. Ooh, that's a little extreme. But my friends, our faith rests upon radical extremism. And I use those words intentionally. Jesus is radical, and he is extreme in his love for us. He is not a God of half measures. We've domesticated him. He is radical. That means to the root. Jesus gives, and when he gives, it's a radical gift. It's all of himself. And it's extreme because that word means to the limits. And to follow him means to be invited into that kind of gift of self, a radical gift of self, an extreme gift of self that doesn't hold back, but rather gives and gives and gives. Being a disciple a real disciple of Jesus is radical. It has to go to the root of who we are. It claims all our lives. Jesus, he's not someone we just give our surplus to. He's someone we give our whole selves to. Just think of last week's gospel. What's the first and the greatest commandment, Rabbi? And Jesus says, the first is this. Hear, O Israel, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, everything. God wants everything about us. Everything. To be radical. To give from the root of who we are, not the surplus. To be extreme, to give to the limits of who we are, all of it. Everything belongs to him. And when that happens, friends, then real discipleship happens. Then we're really in. And that opens up all the possibilities. But if we play for half measures, if we go this far but no farther, then we'll never know the power of Jesus in our lives. We'll never know how good he can be. We'll never know how generous he is to us in our generosity. It's like in this era, we live in two, with two really different attitudes, and they're both present in the church. One's a very conventional 
kind of worldly wisdom that says, as I said, take care of yourself and then whatever's left over can be given to God. And that's, my friends, that's absolutely in the church today. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. God's a nice hobby. But don't let it be too serious because that would be a little strange. But Christ's wisdom is really different. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. In another place, he says, give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap, for the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. Dear brothers and sisters, and especially you young people, God does not want your surplus. He wants you. He seeks hearts that are willing to radically be generous because only that type of generosity can generate life. Bishop Smedder's challenge last week was to take one step forward in faith. I'll say it this way this week to take one step forward in radical generosity toward Jesus, to give more than you're comfortable to give, to go beyond the limit you've set for yourself with God. Bishop Barron, he has a great line. He says, abundance comes from the willing gift. Abundance comes from the willing gift. When we're willing to give, then God can give more back to us. Boy, that's important to remember, especially to all of you who are discerning your vocations. Abundance comes from the willing gift. If we give willingly, God can give more. But if we only play half measures, if we only play this far but no further, then we'll never know how good God can be to us. Go from Bishop Barron to St. John Paul II. He said this, your being increases in the measure you give it away. He called that the law of the gift. Your being increases in the measure you give it away. Give. Do you see this call to radical generosity? to not be afraid to put everything before the Lord, all of yourself, not just your surplus, but even your poverties, all of it. Give everything. And then your being increases. Rather than losing yourself, rather than losing your future, you gain everything because God now has access to your heart, not just to your surplus, but to you, all of you, and then when he comes in, when you willingly give, he is able to enter. And when he comes in, everything becomes elevated. Now, friends, might that mean giving up all you have? Sure, it could. Great saints did that. And you're called to be saints. But it certainly means giving up all you are your whole self offered tonight, not later, tonight. 
put, so to speak, in the temple treasury, given on this altar, given as a gift to God. And know this, that God will see that gift. And of course he will act. Go back to the gospel. Do you really think that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds all things in existence, did nothing for that widow? Do you really think he left her destitute after seeing her gift of self? Of course not. Of course not. Psalm 37.5, I've been praying with for years now. And it says this, commit your life to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Dear friends, commit your life to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. Give yourselves, all of yourself to Jesus Christ. Trust in him. I promise you, God will act.